Now I gotta tell you, I was I was okay. really trying to um, here we go think of one of the songs to sing at the start of this episode, but I love all... my little rooster. My rooster loves me. Gonna cherish that rooster beneath the green bell tree. Little rooster goes cock cock. Oh no, something something. Bark bark. Can I tell you something? Can I tell yeah. you something? Please do. Um, here's how much of a fucking Corrine brain poisoned individual I am. A gummo head. Well, well, hold on. Both. There Can are I two... tell you another thing I was going to do after that? Yeah, absolutely. There are two songs. Well, there are a lot of songs I there sing are a lot to Reagan. Well, there's a lot of songs I sing to Reagan. One of them is. Uh, to the melody of I Have No Legs from Kids. Of course. And I go, you are so cute. You are so cute. <laughs> and then the other one is to the tune of, which this is not from Gummo. This is like an old standard, I believe. But um, it's like, a, I love my little po- po- poochie. My poochie <laughs> loves me. Gotcha. And then I, but then there's no other animals. So I have to be like, little dog goes bow wow, little pup goes rough rough, oh, <laughs> little, little, little ray goes bow wow, and then I and then I then we howl, and then I go yeah. So that's a little Blake Hester lore for you. <laughs> it's quite a musical film. I think you know we mm-hmm. could fill an hour just talking about how good all of the songs in this one are. It has maybe the most insane soundtrack in film history like I mean, all over the place the combo of old standards nursery rhymes madonna um i hate god i believe is in there like yeah. the shit in mortician i've pulled it up at this point uh yeah i even, hate god is in it it's insane dude even like the end of the the end of the film goes from the uh Jesus loves me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like it takes you out over the credits on that, and you're like, okay, yeah. that was a great movie. Or if you were the audiences in fucking 1995 or whatever, no, seven, 1997, you're leaving the theater being like, I gotta check CNN.com or the New York Times Magazine. To right, vitriol they wrote about this. Take you 30 minutes to load those web pages back then, and then it hits you in the face with that fucking hardcore shit, bro. The the fucking needle drop. What is the song? Hold on, drag knot by sleep. When they're riding the bikes down the hill, and it's like oh, dun, yeah. dun 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 dun. That's like dun, the first dun, time. Oh my god! That's the first time this movie's like just kind of like a heat check of being like, are you on the level with this movie? I mean, I guess it does open with the kids like beating a cat to death, so I think that's a heat check for a lot of people. <laughs> but like when I was watching it again today for this recording, that sleep song coming on, I was like, okay, this is like a Dude. that's like a abandon all hope. If you're not if you're not fucking with this, you will not like this is not the movie for you. <laughs> yeah, bro. Then that swell comes in. <laughs> Dude, what, what fucking movie are we talking about? What's up, nerds? Oh yeah, we're talking about Harmony Korean's gummo today. I mean you fucking already know what it is. Again, this is almost kind of like a part two to last week's episode as it is the natural kind of follow-up for harmony corinne and chloe sevigny's careers mm-hmm. um he kind of made his name off of writing the film we talked about last week kids and all of that goodwill kind of earned him what some in the industry would call carte blanche to go buck nuts with a million bucks for his feature film <laughs> debut which was shot in his hometown of, of nashville tennessee yes sir uh, and is really one of his most 
complete artistic visions and sort of the blueprint for a very weird and scattershot career. Uh, the other joke that I was going to make at the top of this episode, right. I didn't sing the song, was um, do that whole spiel and be like, that's right, we're talking about Gummo by Takeshi69, the, um, oh. the aggressive trap rap song. So that one wouldn't have liked oh. well. You wouldn't have liked that one. Or you could have been, or here's a joke you could have done for the okay. real heads. You could have said, what's up, nerds? Today we're talking about everyone's favorite Marx brother. That's right. That's right. Gummo Marx, the uh, the forgotten Marx brother, the one who had to bow out before they got too popular. Were the Marx brothers Marxists? Is that a good joke? That land for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, Is Carl like, related to Charles G- Gummo and the other one? No. Uh. No, he's not. A, a good joke you could do there too is be like, I put marxist in my tinder bio and then all these girls are surprised when they come to my house and i want to watch duck soup that's good stuff this is all good this is all good uh we're not talking about a fucking song by a bad person or a forgotten brother of one of uh film's most famous comedy troops we're talking about the experimental narrative ambiance of Harmony Curran's feature film debut. Ni- 90s vaudeville, baby. That's what this shit is. <laughs> That's what this shit is, for I real. I mean, this, this movie is... Do you think it has more or less of a controversial reputation than Kids does? Like, I think Kids is inarguably sort of more impactful on a mainstream <laughs> sense, but Gummo is... Maybe more well remembered as like an internet. Uh, you know what? Yeah, you know what I think it is. Is even if people haven't seen Kids, most people you'll encounter that have heard of it will be like, "Damn, dude, I respect it." So many people I've encountered are like, "Yo, fuck Gummo." They're wrong. <laughs> first of all, and I'm like, "Okay, you have shitty taste in everything." Like, but uh, yeah, I think it is a more hated film Hmm. because i think the the point of it flies over people's head you know what it reminds me when spring breakers came out conveniently enough yeah it's like all my friends were like really hyped to go see it because it was like selena gomez and the other ones james franco uh who else was in that shit ashley tisdale no i think vanessa hudgens is vanessa hudgens that's right and actually harmony crean's wife um an age gap there i'll tell you what uh but i i remember they're all hyped to go see it and i was like oh y'all are gonna fucking hate this movie like you're gonna go see a harmony crim movie and you have no clue and i feel like gummo in a similar way has like just survived on its reputation alone and enough people see it that just cannot vibe with its uh meandering nature it's uh it, it has a coherent story to tell it's just very chopped up and truncated throughout the film that i think a lot of people are just like i'm good i'm out i don't want to watch this why is that dude doing that with his sister that's fucking nuts i think people just can't get behind this one in a way like at least kids seems to survive on respect alone in a lot of cases if you read the wikipedia plot summary for this film there is like a cohesive narrative that it charts like a story that begins somewhere and ends somewhere else but yeah and i mean this i have the page pulled up like it is like a number of other scenes are interspersed throughout the film including and then really just lists all of the 
perverse little interludes that happen in this film, which is like, it's rare that the Wikipedia plot summaries are like, here's what happens in the movie. And then here's like everything else that's in the movie. (laughs) And here's the thing, folks. There's a lot in this movie. The goat. Yeah. Um, AJ, this is like the foundational film for Blake Allen Hester. The Ur text. I, they're like three foundational films for me, right? And this might be the first chronologically. It's hard to remember. This was 48 years ago when I was watching these movies, but it's yeah, that's right. Gummo, Ichi, the killer, and Old Boy. Uh, Gummo, I saw on the Sundance On Demand channel. Have no clue why I watched it. <laughs> like to this day, I have no clue why I clicked on it and watched it. I had no clue who Harmony Kareen was. Maybe I, you know, maybe actually now that I'm thinking of it, maybe my friend Sarah from back in the day made me watch it. Because like, yeah, like, I feel like you that probably she were aware of him from like skateboard hardcore culture. Pro- I don't think I was. I think no? she was aware of him because she was big on Tumblr. Mm. And so now that I'm piecing it together, this would have probably been like 2009, 2010. Excuse me. I was a teenager. I Those think that... Mu- yeah, that's right. I think that <laughs> might have been what it is. Anyway, it was like one of the very first movies where I was like, what the fuck? Also, Guinea Pig 2, Flower and Flesh and Blood actually uh, predated this, I think, by a couple of years. And Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. I watched that one before. Great company to be in, honestly. I think... I, I feel was, like... Yeah. I was a horror nut by then, but this was like the foundational, like, oh, movies don't either have to be star wars or horror you know what i'm saying like <laughs> right it's crazy for me the image of the spaghetti i think is like the indelible yeah. thing from this movie a lot of people who wouldn't know that the film gummo exists or could tell you what a harmony current movie was like have probably on like you know social media or a youtube thumbnail of like most fucked up movies of all time have seen that little boy with his uh, shampooed up Jimmy Neutron hair eating that spaghetti yes, sir. in the bathtub. I think that is like the, it's one of the images of his career for sure. When did you come to Gummo? Gummo uh, was like, I was always aware of it. It was mm-hmm. more of a kind of forbidden fruit than an urtext mm. for me. Where it's hard to find. It was hard to find for many years. Hard to find for a while. Um, and I mean, still is hard to find unless you search watch gummo online and there's a vimeo link like three results down but uh yeah like we talked about this a little bit on the last episode too but the kind of ifc sundance channel uh was helpful for me and just kind of finding out there and off the radar stuff so Mm -hmm. i was again also watching stuff that would pop up on there and would kind of just track those interests across being like i watched this movie and i liked the actor who was in it or I like this actor. I'm going to watch this movie that they're in. And that would connect the dots to a director or a writer and chase those things down. So again, and I hate to say it, but you know, us old heads grew up, grew up in the world without letterboxed. So you'd have to like do a Google search if you wanted to see what else someone had directed or go to the local library and and read a fucking book or something for once in your life. I would never do that. I would (laughs) never, never, and I would never attempt to write a book about gummo no less oh, that's right yeah maybe we should yeah maybe maybe we can get into that at one put point. that in there but uh all that to say that like i definitely 
saw gummo on listicles or features things that people had written up of being like if you liked x checked out y or influences on people's careers and stuff so mm-hmm. gummo was always this thing that i had seen referenced or talked about or included in some of those lists yeah i didn't watch it for the first time until a couple of years ago like not not many a handful of years ago and like i had already been familiar with harmony corinne's stuff spring breakers mm-hmm. was the first one that i saw and i was Fuck like yeah crazy crazy movie you know what it is great and movie. so great movie let's spring say breakers that. yeah so good. pretty good the beach bum Beach Bum's unbelievable, dude. And then so I filled in the gaps after. So it was probably actually after the Beach Bum that I like mm. finally sought out Gummo because I was like, I really fuck with Harmony Current stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And need to fill in fill in the gaps. Gummo, I think, in a lot of spots, is a beautiful film. You know, if if kids I one hundred percent agree. If kids is a cautionary tale about why you should never move to New York. Gummo is an open invitation to come to Nashville and let your freak flag fly. Uh, you ever been to Nashville? I went uh, three months ago. Oh my god, I love for the very Nashville, first time, dude. It's like I grew up like two hours from Nashville, the sickest place. Uh, but I think there's a lot of beauty in Gummo, even in the places you might not initially expect it. I also think Gummo is an incredibly confrontational film, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is trying its darndest. To make you, back in the day, walk out of the theater. Now, uh, close the tab on Vimeo. <laughs> you know, it is. I'm reporting is, this website. It is an aggressively uh, nasty film at times, in ways that are like still shocking to me. Over a decade after I saw it the first time, like, I mean, let's just get into the well, scene. Yeah, everyone remembers, if I may. Uh, please do. I think the 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 pinnacle not the pinnacle of the quality of the film but the part that like it's the like litmus test I really think if you can fuck with Gummo is when um Solomon and Tumblr go to the guy's house where he is uh pimping out his sister one with, of the harder ones to watch with down syndrome yeah and yet here is I think the beauty of this film Harmony Korine I think has been like uh, in some ways, falsely criticized as exploitative. I actually think he is exploitative in some cases. I don't think he's as broadly exploitative as people think he is. Um, now, th- that said, this is a scene based around exploitation, and yet like you never get the sense that the actual human acting it, who does have Down syndrome, is being exploited in the moment. And in fact, the scene divorced from the brother who is never shown with his sister is actually like the maybe the most beautiful scene in the film where uh, Solomon and this girl are like basically having puppy love for each other. And it's like, I know you have to divorce it from a big, terrible thing. Yeah. But no one makes scenes like that. Like, name another movie where like you would see such a tender moment between like someone with, with a disability like the last movie I, the other you know what i'm saying like uh-huh. but that's like the harmony kareen thing it's like there's beauty in some of the worst shit you've ever seen and that is like what you i think a lot of people hate about him is him trying to navigate those murky waters and i also think it's what people love about him is him kind of like 
offering two sides of the coin. Does that make sense? Maybe I sound terrible, Absolutely like justifying no. this moment I mean, of this film, but I I completely line up with that assessment. And I'll tell you what recently kind of crystallized my thoughts on Gummo and, and Harmony Corinne over all the little completionists got to do my homework ass nerd in me mm. uh, in preparing for this episode. I also watched Julian Donkey Boy for the very oh, first time. The, and I had the, I had kind of the same thoughts that you were just describing watching that movie where like it's showing you a bunch of intentionally off-putting and really hard to conceive and sit through images and actions and again it just like if you're if you're coming at that film from the wrong mindset it is really just a cavalcade of awfulness and a lot of the responses to harmony current stuff gummo and julian donkey boy and even you saw a little bit of this with kids which is just like he's having a prank he's having a laugh at me Mm -hmm. he's like a rebellious little kid doing a fuck you i can show you whatever i want you're gonna suck it up uh take it I can do whatever I want because I have the camera and you're in the audience. And there's this vengeful kind of back and forth that people seem to perceive with his stuff. Mm. And as I was watching through Julian Donkey Boy, I think as you were describing, his films kind of push and challenge you as an audience member uh, to like see the good in what he's showing you. I think it's important that like all of his characters for the most part are happy or like going about their lives and there's a an innocence or a sweetness to kind of how they view the world and the exploitation and judgment i think really does come from the viewer and there's a level of projection to the reaction of don't show me these like bad socially unacceptable things now i think it's a fine line because i definitely agree that there is some stuff with in regards to race and sexuality and, and ableism or whatever that probably has mm-hmm. not aged super well in both of these films but i think the albino woman scene is pretty in pretty bad taste for for example like if that is a rough. scene where it feels like you're supposed to be laughing at this woman you know like and that yeah. sucks yeah um, i i don't care for harmony corinne's cameo in this movie too much either oh yeah god oh god <laughs> i forgot about that um yeah but it, uh Having, I will say, having, like, sought out people who worked on this movie who were not from Nashville, you know, flying in from New York or L.A. and having to be with this, like, 20-year-old kid doing this shit, I've I've come to find out, like, talking to people, like, they have conflicted feelings about the exploitation of it. And to my memory, in terms of the production of at least the scene with the woman with Down syndrome, that seemed to be handled with, like, a lot of grace. Um, but there are, there is a scene later in the movie where, uh, there's another, you know, disabled person where I think people don't feel that was handled with a Mm. lot of grace. So like, I I think it's worth acknowledging people who worked on the film are like, Hey, I think there might've been some exploitation going on, but like, it's again, that Harmony Corinne thing you fucking deal with. It's like, where is the line? Is it, can it, can it? Is it okay for it to do both, you know? Like, how much are you just washing your hands of, like, valid criticism because you like a movie versus how much is he deftly... How much is he walking this tightrope and how much is he falling off of it, you know? He's he's the kind of filmmaker and his films are really the kind of movies that are, like, totally conversational and are really just, like... A, they're they're not meant as like complete open and shut statements when they come out, but I think sort of evolve over time as 
like snapshots of where they were. I mean, his career is so interesting because at the time that that this film is coming out, he's like something of a sort of like rising star where it's really like, you know, do whatever you want to do. And I think pretty quickly with this Julian Donkey Boy, people were like, stop doing that. And then he takes a break from filmmaking overall. Like he shoots commercials and short films and skate videos. And he comes back with a really weird movie. That's the only one I still have yet to see. Mr. Nobody. Uh, Mr. Lonely. Mr. Lonely. Sorry. There are actually three films of his I haven't seen. Mr. Lonely. Julian Donkey Boy. And the infamous Trash Humpers. I haven't seen those three. Yeah. um, (laughs) Mr. Lonely and Trash Humpers are... You should just read the fucking plot description for Mr. Lonely if you haven't, listener, because it's hard to hard to verbalize how how off the wall that thing sounds. Yeah. Uh, but he, he gets, like, immediately kind of when he decides to come back to filmmaking, fast-tracked into the kind of experimental avant-garde lane. And Spring Bakers, I think, is helped out by kind of the rising cloud of A24. That's 2013. I I think for a lot of mm-hmm. people, that's like the first time they became aware of, of A24 and that's yeah, yeah. a foundational A24 text. And then uh, The Beach Bum, which is a beautiful, uh, some have recently called it the most profound film of the 21st some century. Some have. <laughs> some have. But, some uh, people that have also seen like Memoria said that. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think it is a bold statement. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I feel in my heart. Um, One thing I want to say, comparing Gummo and Julian Donkey Boy, as we maybe dig into this one a little bit more, uh, I think we picked this one, obviously, because you love it so much and it's the bigger film. When it comes to Chloe Sevigny, her performance in Julian Donkey Boy, and I don't want to like give too much away and ruin it for you, she is kind of the becomes the core character of that film and sees it through to the conclusion and it's an unbelievable performance what she's asked to do in that movie should we add julian donkey boy to this season it's it's even harder to find than gummo and kids so probably not (laughs) well we'll see we'll see Um, but it's it's worth watching like if it's very much of a piece with this one Werner herzog is in it um you know why because he loved Gummo, and he specifically yeah. loved the <laughs> yeah. piece of bacon taped to the wall. He called yeah. it, hold on, this is another quote that I really wanted to get right as well. He was like, he says, it's, why was it there? Fuck, I can't find the quote, whatever. What I liked about Gummo are the details that one might not notice at first. There's the scene where the kid in the bathtub drops his chocolate bar into the dirty water, and just behind him there's a piece of fried bacon stuck to the wall with scotch tape. This is the entertainment of the future. And then this is actually a conversation between Herzog and Kareen, by the way. Uh, Kareen replies, "This it's the greatest entertainment. Seriously, all I want to see is pieces of fried bacon taped on walls, because most films uh, just don't do that. I think I agree with Kareen more than I agree with Herzog. Herzog, all the respect to him. Yeah. Got his head way a bit too far up uh, Harmony's ass. I think on that I think, one. All the, I think all the I think all the shoe plastic went straight to his head. Uh, yeah. Didn't go to his tummy. It's clogging up his brain a little bit. I mean, that's a dude who talk about avant garde experimental films. He's making some wild stuff these days. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Chloe though. Yeah, uh, worth pointing out that by this point Harmony and Chloe were in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way Chloe is filmed. And this film uh, shows that. I think she is quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> she is quickly just like a muse for Harmony. Um, I also think she, you know what? Like, 
I love her performance as Jenny in Kids. It's not a great performance. I think her performance as a super low-income Nashville townie, you know, just trying to be the bigger sister. I think she's so fucking good in this movie. Like, I don't know what happened in the couple years between this to make her just be like this gnarly of an actress, but she has moments in this film that are just like, gobstopping and she also was like doing the costumes on this movie yeah um she was like handling production making sure this thing looked the way it should for a movie set it's actually set Xenia, ohio but you know whatever like i think she brought it on this thing and maybe is why it's still probably harmony's best film is probably a lot of her legwork on it yeah just the way that the camera will focus on her mm-hmm. sometimes and, and this is probably retrospective but feels like it breaks the illusion of the film because you're like that's an actor like that's a movie star that's a celebrity mm-hmm. um and she could be wearing like you know whatever the the tiger spot bathing suit and the 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 first scene where they're doing the nipple tape um she can be in all these rundown Great houses and situations and a big inflatable pool in the backyard and knowing where her career goes you're like yeah she's a real one <laughs> but also like you know what shouts out her southern accent was good i don't really think they talk like that in ohio yeah <laughs> but she had a really good southern accent and i know that's not her southern that's not her real accent but as a man from the south we accept her She's scene. a she's an honorary Southerner. Where's she from? She might be from the South. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure she's from New York. Uh, the scene at the end. Is she's from the... Massachusetts. Okay, with all the girls in the car, where they're like, I forget whatever they say. You try and grab her coochie. That's. <laughs> I'm like, this is you lived you lived through this. <laughs> Ain't nothing new for trash like you. Yeah. Uh, I uh, by the way, the, her her not her youngest sister, but the. Um, the middle sister, that's Clarissa Gluckman, uh, who is in Kids, uh, probably most prominently. She's in the pool scene. She, mm. Not the long red hair, the short red hair girl. That's uh, She's actually one of the side characters in Kids, which nice. I didn't realize until recently that that was the same person. But she's also killing it in this, too. This trio of sisters, they go so hard. Yeah, their antics are really fun, and I like their cat. Yeah. Well, poor cat ran away, though. Yeah. Uh, look, and maybe, maybe the best, the best implied... fate that a cat has in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Is it implied that Solomon and Tumblr kill the cat? Probably. That's that's what I would be yeah. led to believe. But here's, here's people the, do uh, run away in this movie, though. Like there's um the I don't know what to say. The sibling character who they talk about getting out of the going to the big city. And then that whole backstory kind of thing. Like there is yeah, yeah, yeah. a world that exists outside of the imagined town of Gummo. And I think that's really important as well because look, this is a film that's fucking 25 plus years old. And it's like yeah. when you're watching it, um, it feels like it could be happening now just like in a different, you know, in some rundown destroyed by a tornado part of Ohio. Like that- these, this could be, you know, a live feed or something like that. Like, it's so lived in and so vivid that it feels, um, not of the moment, certainly, but just that, like, this is happening somewhere. You know what I mean? Well, it kind of was, because they were shooting this on the streets in Nashville. Again, takes place in Zedia. I don't not really, I don't fully understand the reason. I think, he just, I think he just really liked the backstory of this town that got totally yeah. destroyed by a tornado and then was basically 
kind of cut out and left alone as just this like apocalyptic i think he does a lot with the cowboy imagery too of saying like it, it was you know it's obviously not the wild wild west or anything like that but from like the government or any person of respects point of view it was kind of like yeah that place doesn't exist anymore it's a lawless hellscape and don't worry about it but i think the like but what are you saying like the kind of authenticity of this film is like they were a lot of this film is just like people they found in nashville homes they found in nashville that sometimes they would leave untouched um the scene with the kids and the cockroaches that is a real house that they found <laughs> and those were the kids that lived there yeah which is a extremely sad thing to think about um the ethics of putting it on film is maybe a little troubling but i mean but like it becomes this film like you've never seen before because i don't know the what was the last fucking movie i saw set, set kind of in the south um uh bones and all mm-hmm. takes place a lot in like kentucky who else is in that tim chalamet chloe 70 has the go. best scene <laughs> in that whole film uh her jump scare is nuts in that movie but like you know what i'm saying like they go to the south and like tim chalamet's from the south in the movie and it's like oh cool it's he's a movie star apparently living in a trailer park in the south and his sister is the girl from uh we're all going to the world's fair weirdly enough um you don't see what people look like in the south in films right like you take some fucking idiot from new york <laughs> who tell him to do his best approximation of a southern accent and that's a dude from the south and that's like that's not true like so the fact that they like documented because this neighborhood is like long gentrified i believe it's called the national in nashville or, mm. or the nation something like that it's long gentrified like they created an actual snapshot of the people and the place where these people were living that just like can't exist anymore one because of time Two, because of gentrification and the way all American cities are ravaged by, you know, the ugliest buildings you've ever seen in your life. Geometric and, nightmares. Exactly. You know, fucking shoebox apartments and shit. <laughs> like, um, both because they're as big as a shoebox and also they're all shaped like shoeboxes. That's right. So it's like, as someone from the South who grew up a couple hours from here in an area not too... Well, I didn't grow up in any neighborhoods like this, but like can, Louisville has very similar vibes to Nashville minus the country music. Like I kind of appreciate that. It's like, Oh, here's a pocket that if harmony had not gone to shoot in his hometown to capture what it was like, it would just never exist. It would be undocumented because these are not people who are important to history Mm -hmm. for, you know, better or worse. Like these are, no, I I should just say for worse. Like (laughs) I did, you know, um, This is just, these are people who no one gives a shit about. Time will not forget because they never mattered to time in general. And like Harmony being from here, I think very smartly was like, no, like these people matter. Like we should film them and maybe they will accidentally say some fucked up shit. I don't believe all of the conversations that were caught in this movie were scripted by some of these right. locals. Um, there's some pretty gnarly stuff about uh, race in this film that I think is what just was actually said in front of cameras. But I do think there's an importance to capturing a time and place that this film does that like, no, I mean, I should say no other directors, but like 
most directors are just not fucking like brave enough to do. They'll go film in Toronto and build a fake like, you know, southern town yeah. and then they'll have Tim Chalamet run around and do the most offensive southern accent you've <laughs> ever fucking heard. I like Bones and All. It's a good yeah. movie, but well, it's I on mean, it's I, on site with that Ratatouille little man with Willy Wonka himself. Uh, you're <laughs> yeah. going to find out how how Willy became Wonka. I like, scan I I scrolled through the trailer and I was like I'm good. I'll pass. There's a uh, there's like a proclivity for filmmakers who are telling stories like this to turn it into some sort of like trauma porn narrative where it's telling you, look at how awful these conditions are. If only these people could do something to change their ways and not be racist or homophobic or beat cats with a stick. And like to its credit, Gummo and kids and Julian Donkey Boy, the Harmony, Harmony Crins films, kind of just, like, are more interested in observing than they are passing judgment. And, again, like, that's what I was talking about earlier, but I think, like, as a viewer, you have to meet this film a little bit where it is, which is kind of mm-hmm. just, like, it's it's vibes. It's a hangout, kind of. It's not a great hangout, but, like, this isn't a great situation, and it's not the kind of film that's going to, like, leave you walking out of the theater or closing out your Vimeo tab, feeling good, patting yourself on the back, being like, I now understand like why gentrification is bad and that the government should help out um, in rural communities with drug problems or people whose houses have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel better about myself now. It's not really the movie that's like looking to adulate you or do that for you. No. What it is trying to do though, I think is like express a, or not even express, but like make room for these people who we never get to see on the screen or hear from. And exactly. There is a positivity through it. Like I'm thinking of Solomon's not final monologue, but like towards the end where he's talking about life is beautiful. <laughs> Life's great. Without it, you'd be dead. Without it, there'd oh, be nothing. Oh my God. What yeah. a fucking line. And like, it's not an uplifting film, I would say, but it is one that is like life affirming in the truest sense where it's like, this is kind of what it fucking is to be alive in some ways. Yeah. And I, I think this film has, nothing to say about gentrification if only because of when it was made you know right. it kind of predates modern gentrification as we think about it um but i do think gentrification is the solution to an awful problem which is we don't want to see these people anymore so Bingo. we'll remove them and i think similarly in some ways that is why people hate gummo whether they know these are locals or not they hate seeing it because it is real, you know? And that's not always a good justification to put things on screen as someone who watches or, like, engages in, like, extreme horror and that type Mm -hmm. of stuff. I hear arguments all the time for, like, real death footage, like, compilations of those, which I don't watch, to be clear. But people are like, well, this is real. And I'm like, well, what did I fucking learn from watching a guy get hit by a bus? That buses are big and heavy but i think in the case of gummo like people do not like the idea that people live like this and i think there's an importance in always knowing that people live like this as someone about to move to new york i'm going to have to (laughs) grapple with my role as a gentrifier and to try to decrease that footprint as much as possible right and i think gummo like sticks in the part of people's brains that want to ignore uh this part of society which you shouldn't because that yeah. makes you into an apathetic piece of shit my my soul feels cleaner watching gummo than watching a film like 
the whale for example which is at the top of my mind which is one of the oh worst movies i've seen in recent memory but is kind of it's it doesn't have real death footage or anything like that in it. i think it has some real gay porno in it um but it is okay. like it is just like watch this feel bad look at how fucking awful this is yeah. don't you feel like shit doesn't Can't... this suck this is real people do like have eating disorders and hate themselves mm-hmm. and are suicidal don't you feel like shit and Can we sure <laughs> Can we devote a few minutes to the whale? You want to talk about the whale? <laughs> just just real quick. Uh, okay. Dear listener, you might have heard a few episodes ago that I went to Japan recently. On the flight to Japan, I sat next to the oh, no. s- sweetest, sweetest little Japanese man. He must have been in his late 70s, maybe early 80s. Um, just, just a gym. He sat next to me. When he sat down, he said hello. We had a brief chat. It was great. Um but he did some really curious things on this flight. One was he watched films the whole flight, which I'll respect. You know, you got to make that time fly. He's ahead. Was he logging them on Letterboxd? He watched them without listening devices, oh, headphones or earbuds, okay. with no subtitles. <laughs> it's like, but he was watching them. So I was very confused by that. The last film he watched as we were getting ready to land in the final hours was The Whale, which I have not seen. Well, I've seen parts of it now. You've seen I was drawn to it like a car crash, um, watching it from, you know, playing Zelda and looking at his screen. Uh, hmm, what's the That's way That's an awful to, movie to watch on a plane. What's the way to say this diplomatically? Especially, I assume it's even worse if you're not listening to it, which he was not. Neither was it's I. It's a very dialogue-heavy film set in one yeah. location that's exclusively yeah. about the performances. Um. Is it slanderous to say I think Darren Aronofsky should be put in prison? <laughs> I'm I'm all the way out. I've been I've been like a kind of hater, cautious observer uh, on Aronofsky, but the whale is just like I I no longer have room in my heart. And here we are extolling the values of people who will dismiss Harmony Corinne films on face value. Uh, but I have nothing but ire for Darren Aronofsky left in my heart after the whale. The whale features and and you wouldn't know this. Uh, without subtitles or, or seeing the performance the whale features probably two of the worst characters i think that have ever been put on the screen in human history which are the two teenagers in the whale it's mm. like to describe how the teenagers in the whale function there's no way to do it that just doesn't sound like you're making that up or wouldn't be offensive to uh to translate to you but they're just the most like edge lordy uh yeah, the world sucks. Nihilism that is 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 miserable. I can't believe uh, we live in a world where where the whale is is held up as a beautiful film. And here's the thing: it's a counterpoint. That's right to all of this. Gummo, an extremely nihilistic film. Yet its message at the end is life is great. Without it, you'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also looked over and saw the gorging scene. I guess he does at the end of the whale, and I was like, there there are several. This is a film. People I love gave four to five stars on Letterboxd. This is the one? This is yeah. your fucking guy? Requiem for a dream guy? Unbelievable. The, the end of the whale is his, his daughter tells him that she forgives him from being gay and he ascends to heaven. I watched like, literally he, ascends to heaven. I watched uh, Hisayasu Sato's uh, gay pink film last night, Muscle. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really we found, it's, we found a link to that. It's really good. Um, I had to watch it in 240p on Vimeo. That's probably, how you know you're watching a banger. That's like the mission yeah. statement of Region Free. The yeah. lower the, the lower the p, the better it be. 
But dude, it goes hard. You gotta watch Hell this yeah. shit. It's fifty eight minutes. Watch it tonight in bed. I got fifty eight minutes. Yeah, dude, it's so sick. I sent you a link to it. Anyway, okay. Gummo. So yeah, Blake, you know a lot about the production of this film. Why is that? Um, yeah, well, at one point I've, I, and I'm still tentatively interested in this as someone who might live in a city where at least a few of these actors live in a few months. I'd like to pick this story back up, but I've, I had started digging in to the production of Gummo because there's not a ton out there about how it's made, which I thought was like really unfortunate because it's clear this movie was made under uh, uh, absurd conditions. Just like, you know, you could never make this movie now, literally, because that part of Nashville doesn't right. exist anymore. <laughs> um, and I had found a, like, iPhone video of a panel that three of the leads, Jacob Sewell, Jacob Reynolds, and Nick Sutton, had done at a comic book convention. And they were talking about the things. And I was like, how this movie is made. And I was like, it's even crazier than I could have fathomed. So I started reaching out to people. And I haven't talked to too many people. I've talked to, like... Some of the production designers and stuff. I did talk to Laura Tosh, which is the woman who has breast cancer in this movie. Mm. Um, one of the coolest, nicest people I've ever met. Um, just lives in Nashville. Knew Harmony when he was a kid, which is kind of a funny thing. But uh, that's why. One day, years from now, probably, I'm going to put out a Gummo story. It's, you know, it's one of those stories I have to do. Oh, you've got, you've got you know, four years before the 30th anniversary, and then there will be decades after that. So I think we can set good targets to hit that. But there's a market out there for those retrospectives, and especially those stories that haven't been told where it's like, again, it feels like they kind of built a world or a community when they were filming this movie. And you hear the anecdotes of like Chloe Sevigny going around local consignment shops or thrift stores to just like find the costumes and make the world that it is. Um, I'm sure for a lot of people too, like the cast list is super small. So for a lot of people, this was like, you know, not, I don't mean this in like a demeaning way, but probably like one of the the biggest things they did in their lives were like, Oh, yeah. a movie crew came to like my hometown, which maybe I don't, I don't have the stats or anything, but probably never happened again. And it's like, they wanted to put us in a movie or ask us about what, our lives are like and show yeah. our houses or our streets. Um, it's really interesting. And didn't shoot on like Broadway in Nashville, right? Which is important. Right. It was like, this is a part of Nashville. You just ain't seeing. Um, I'm not going to divulge all the cool stories I heard, but I'll tell a couple. Oh, I'm not one, asking you to divulge all the cool stories, but one, I, one I like, and also for any listener who might look up what this movie is and realize it's about a lot of dead animals. Right, because you and I had a not a disagreement, but you you thought all the animals were dead in this. I thought at least one of them. You thought they were all real dead animals. Um, I had to issue a quick correction that no, those were Hollywood props except for one. Where that uh, either Harmony or Chloe, driving around maybe them both had found. So, so, like, an animal can, according to, like, the, the laws of filmmaking, an animal could not be killed for a film. I don't know what's going on in Italy. It's a good law. I don't yeah, know not... what was going on in Italy and China and some of those countries where animals, <laughs> it does not matter. But in America. New Zealand. Yeah, I think it, there, there was, like, a specific movie where they were like, okay, no more of this. Where I think, was it the horses? Like, there was a movie where they just killed so many fucking horses that they had to pass a law about oh this in America. <laughs> You'll look it up on your own time, listeners, but anyway. Be a great thing to do with your evening. You can, though, if an animal is not killed for a movie, 
you could show that animal's corpse. So somewhere in this movie, I'm not entirely sure which one, there is a real dead cat. But it was not killed for the film. I think it has to be the one, because as I was watching it earlier, with that was top of mind. I think it's got to be the one with the cockroaches, or not cockroaches, but like... There's flies, bugs oh, crawling maybe. out of its mouth all over its head. Yep. I was just like, that looks rough. Because the rest of them are like, and some of them, you know, I was paying very close attention to that now, knowing. But I was like, sometimes they're hanging from strings or it's just like a thing that's on the ground being yep. beaten to death. Um, we talked a little bit about Poltergeist on the last episode because I saw it. But like, they mm-hmm. used real human skulls in that yep. movie and that was a problem. Yep. So the laws are crazy about what you can and can't show. People wanted to make uh, laws... Uh, outlawing this movie from being shown or for Harmony Corinne for ever making a movie again. Like, again, the the vitriolic reviews that are out there. I had a great time reading through them today and, yeah. and just seeing the... Like, I, I don't agree with them, but there were some bars uh, in here. <laughs> the, the CNN <laughs> review closes with... Uh, I will not list this film as the worst of the year when I do my December wrap-up for fear of giving a little creep, yet one more cheap thrill. See Gummo if you feel like you have to, but your measurable IQ and sense of human decency will almost certainly ruin it for you. Cognizant beings will be offended, which is the entire point. Rated NC-17, 95 long, long minutes. It's kind of a bar. The fucking coastal elite, man. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to find out what this guy's doing now. And then there is like an infamous... uh, new york times kind of takedown of this film where they say what did she say yeah uh thanks to occasional nudity frequent profanity glue sniffing dead pets and so on gummo has the nc-17 rating no one mm-hmm. under 17 is admitted and it richly deserves that unbelievable, unbelievable. you're wrong but you know you're you straight up wrong you uh, like so 50 minutes into this podcast do you want to talk a little bit about the ostensible plot narrative of gummo some of our kind of scenes our characters yeah. who's in there yeah you do you know the story about nick sutton who plays tumblr ending up in this movie because it's fucking wild no enlighten me harmony corinne saw him on the sally jesse Raphael show which for young listeners would be like an oprah equivalent probably like a like a a mix of maury povich and oprah a little classier than maury but not quite as classy as oprah um, I think Maury's the cream of the crop. When I talk about uh, influential things you watched as too young as bro, a kid, when I'd we, be getting home from school, pop on that Maury every day. We should do a Maury season where we just choose five episodes at random and just watch them. <laughs> anyway. talk about things that certainly have not aged well <laughs> yeah. and should be illegal. So anyway, Sally Jesse Raviel was one of these like daytime talk show hosts, ladies. And she did an episode, I want to say... It was either about kids who huff paint or glue. And wow. Harmony saw Nick Sutton on there. I have tried to find this and cannot find it. And he was like, that's the fucking dude. The most Harmony Crenn story you ever heard in your goddamn life. Reached out, literally offered the kid an acting job. And that's <laughs> how he ended up in Gummo. Um, Jacob Reynolds... Like- Jacob Reynolds, his little buddy, and this was like an actor at this point. He, had, I think, had done some cracker commercials and shit. Yeah. But like Nick Sutton was off the metaphorical streets of the Sally Jesse Raphael show. Two quick things. If you haven't, you should look up a picture of what Jacob Reynolds, the main kid from this movie, looks like today. It's 
just a striking he looks pretty much exactly the same yeah. but a little bit older um and and two with that nick sutton anecdote i'm imagining like i don't know fucking luca guadagnino hunting down the back at it again at Krispy cream kid and being like you're gonna star in my next movie <laughs> like, yeah dude we should bring that back it's 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 a wild story but i mean here's the thing he brings he's great he, yeah he puts his whole ass into this film dude he is so good like nick sutton i think he only acted on like one other thing after this and he had kind of got mixed up in some substance abuse and had to get clean took him a while but like it, it's a bummer i wish he could have like had a longer career because i think he would have done some wild fucking movies after this yeah for sure on, on the imdb trivia and i didn't know this um it, it enlightened me that tumblr is yiddish for agitator which is a good oh that's fun good name yeah i mean great character names in this there's obviously uh, Bunny Boy, Dot, oh my God. the Skinheads, the Cowboys, Camaro. What's the kid like? Kid that, is it Mac? And then he says it's Cam backwards, and Cam is my favorite car. Camaro, whatever that. Oh is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess like okay. The story of this movie is uh, Solomon and Tumblr are two little kids that they kill cats for i believe the local butcher who's probably mixing them into food i believe is the implication yeah. there they get paid by that person they buy glue so they buy glue to huff and then one day they learn someone's encroaching on their turf rival cat killer so they have to take down their rival cat killer and then there's a B plot, which follows this trio of sisters, which Chloe is the oldest sister, as they are going about their day, um, learning how to make their nipples look more erect, learning how, uh, I, 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 I think they shave their armpits at one point. Learning the Can't, ways of the world. Learning the ways of the world. And then their cat goes missing, and you follow them on their quest to find their cat, and then that's the story, but then there's 85 minutes of this film that are just largely unrelated vignettes about the people of Xenia, Ohio, which is a town that was ravaged years and years ago by a tornado, which is a true story. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's Gummo. And then it's less important to talk about the story and more just cherry pick your favorite There's moments the story. yeah and talk I, about like this person that said this thing in this part of the movie yeah i mean much like kids there's a voiceover narrated like mm -hmm. introduction to the world basically you're welcomed in and then yeah the experience of the film is like a portrait of this town these people getting to know all of the weird denizens and how they intersect and then it basically kind of just like fades out with this conclusion of yeah you know life goes on that's kind of what it's like for these folks so so walk me through some of your favorite moments your favorite vignettes i mean we gotta talk about those two little cowboys the two little cowboys is absolutely where i wanted to start i don't think I, we could say anything that we can't say said, anything to say but i mean they talk about you know I hate I hate rat wabbits. Shoot them dead. <laughs> and then I re I love how that scene is like, yeah, they're acting really kind of tough and masculine like traditional TV cowboys or whatever. They shoot the bunny boy. They shoot the bunny boy dead. Yeah. I'm doing the air quotes cuz they've got like the cap guns, but it's funny that the the bunny kid 
plays along with it and then i love how they just sort of get bored of pretending that he's dead and wander on <laughs> like it's kind of yeah. they're throwing rocks at cars they're just two bad little <laughs> rude little dudes yeah they rule so hard they're bringing the hardest performance in cinema history the way they're <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs for five minutes i really love the scene Set to, I guess it's Buddy Holly, right? Every day is a gang. That's oh, just yeah. like uh, Chloe and um, Clarissa just like looking seductively at the camera in the most awkward way possible. That's and, the that's the scene that's really like okay. This was shot by a dude being like, I'm gonna put my girlfriend on, on in a yeah. movie. I like the dancing scene as well with salman's mother like i like how adults are in this movie how it's not just like a world inhabited by children but um he's like dancing in the mirror and she's got the gun and she's telling him to go faster and do things she says like uh you know you came into this world through my birth canal and I, i'm not afraid to take you out that is that is she passed away but that's like i believe one of harmony's favorite actresses let me find her name it's a great dude. scene like i i think that's sort of towards the back half but i really do feel like especially the latter scenes in this film really do kind of start to like if the film is working for you and has won you over and if you're on its wavelength i think like you do really kind of get moments towards the ends that that make you feel for these characters and drives home that point that it's Mm -hmm. just like look you're gonna like embody how these people live um the scene the aforementioned scene with uh um what's her name Laura Tosh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of one of the first scenes in the movie is Tumblr and her making out in a, a car in a junkyard. And he's like, I think you have a lump in your boob, basically. And yeah. then, like, her arc throughout the film is we catch up with her later, like, at the um, doctor. And there's, like, an incredible scene where she starts talking directly into the camera. And she's like, they say that, you know, there's something in my breasts and they're gonna have to cut it off and i know what that means because people won't or you know like boys won't like me and it's gonna be Mm -hmm. hard for me to find a boy who really likes me and that's like a very moving scene and it's it's hard to like fake that or just plop that into a different movie but when you're in the world of gummo a world like this where things kind of are like not nihilistic but like the conclusions have kind of been been drawn and for these people there really is no like sense of escape or what like their future feels like or looks like to have a character like plainly state that again like while staring you directly in the eye that's a really that's a really poignant moment yeah also really quick going back uh the woman that plays um the mom who does the tap dancing scene that's linda manns who oh yeah She's in Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven and David Fincher's The Game, among a few others. Like, she didn't have a super long career. Uh, but she was in that movie Out of Blue, which Vinegar Syndrome just gave a big release to. Huh. Um, and I think, like, they had to, like, convince her to, like, come out of semi-retirement for this or something. Like, uh, it was, like, kind of a big deal that she ended up in the movie. Um I really like... I I hate to go back to this well, but I do really like the scene between solomon and the girl being pimped out i think it's a really good scene it's shot very yeah it's shot i know it's just like you can't separate it from the setup of the scene but there's like a softness to the scene like visually like the way it's actually shot and the sun coming in the window and just like they're like really kind of awkward but like we're crushing super hard vibes they have on each other is like a really really great moment um there's like the arm wrestling 
kind of fight club thing happening. Yeah, dude. Scene. <laughs> Mark, the pro skater, Mark Gonzalez, is in that scene. He's the one egging it on the whole time. Yeah. Um, uh, who co-wrote one of Harmony's books. I think it's just like Harmony Crean and Mark Gonzalez's fanzines is the name of it or something. And Harmony shit's fine. But Mark's writing in that is out of control. <laughs> so really seek that out because that shit's really cool. I really like that scene. Um, I like when the dude just like flips out and crushes the table yeah. <laughs> and everything. Uh, the ending set to Roy Orbison's crying is amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, not not to get right into the ending quite yet, because I do think the way it, like, okay. closes the book on the whole thing is is really great. One other scene that I definitely want to talk about from the end is the, uh, like, the, the grandma, the old lady whose house they break into. And they, like, this is, again, also one of the kind of only narrative things that happen yeah. in the film, right? But um, they, they break into this house, and there's, like, the old woman on the respirator. And uh, the, is it, is it Solomon or... Uh, tumbler who makes the decision to to unplug the thing and has the line about like oh you know that's no it's, that's no yeah. way to live it's but that's again yeah. like kind of a, a thesis statement or as close to it as this movie has where it's just kind of like that's sort of the outlook and the the vibe like the bleakness of this this film's worldview isn't oppressive and and all-consuming but it is just kind of about the different ways that life can look and like I understand why people have such a strong and negative reaction to being kind of, I don't want to say forced to look at it, but like, again, this movie is, is quite all encompassing and really like does Mm -hmm. ask a lot of a viewer. I, uh, there's a moment in that film that makes me cringe every time though, or in that scene where uh, they shoot her toe with a BB and then it shows it. Shows it close up. And uh, when I talked to the executive producer, Ruth Vital, who helped get this movie funded uh, during the screening of the film, you know, before it was set to release, she was watching it. And I'm sure going through her head was like, oh, we're never making our money back on this fucking thing. But uh, she was like, I guess I'm going to let Harmony be Harmony, whatever. I knew what I was signing up for. But at the end, Harmony was like, "Uh, any notes? And she's like, yeah, just cut one thing. The the scene with the BB and the woman's foot. <laughs> cut that. And Harmony was like, no. And she said, okay, that was all my notes. <laughs> and then was probably, you know, went back and was probably like, they're going to fire me for greenlighting this movie or some shit. But... I'm keeping it in. I'm doubling it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a funny moment because that is the moment in this movie that I, for whatever reason, find so fucking nasty. It's looking at that BB lodged in her big toe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably safe to say that for everyone, there's at least a handful of images that probably don't uh, sit super well with you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, it's not... I don't find it to be a particularly confrontational movie or, like, a shock kind of gross-out film, even though it has those aspects. Like, again, yeah. it's, not, it's not a kind of just, like, parade of freaks, which I think people tend to, like, label it as. Yeah. Like, that's a very dismissive view of what he was trying to do with it i think i don't think it's a gross out film i do think it's very confrontational i think like a lot of the scenes in this film just they're very set up of what you're going to have to see what you're going to have to consider is happening like i do think it is confrontational in that way like you can't put a lot of this imagery 
on mm. in front of someone's face and not expect some kind of revulsion, you know? And I do think it is confrontational in that way and that it is made to, if not upset, at least trouble, you know, yeah. the viewer. That's, that's, that's interesting. And especially going back to what you were talking about with like, the, the modern fallout of, of gentrification and how this is mm-hmm. a movie that like definitely didn't know where things were going, but I think is political in a way where it was like accurately identifying the symptoms of how we got where we are now. And, you know, in 97, they couldn't have known the specifics, mm-hmm. but we're kind of like, it's, it's a warning shot in a way of like, look, if we don't pay attention and try to help these people out. And if we like just as a society, like, pass judgment and do stuff like oh well that's the bad part of town don't go over there and like yeah. we're gonna you know the like flyover country kind of label that a lots of a lots of those parts of the south get labeled with is like this film is in a way maybe asking like why do we think that way and and is it a good thing because yeah. we shouldn't <laughs> yeah i i and i don't think harmony is trying to bring any fixes to anyone's life here but you know which maybe there that's ethically weird in and of itself to go film these people but not like i don't know offer the neighborhood right money like or something there but is like a, a gummo festival every year where people come back and yeah i celebrate the legacy of the town yeah i don't think there were any charitable contributions to this part of nashville but i do think like we've kind of said throughout the film is like or throughout the podcast is like you know there is importance that these people are now committed to to a DVD, to a Vimeo, <laughs> you know, like that, that's, that's, that's cool. That's important. Yeah. Um, even though I don't know that it was always made with the, uh, most thoughtful intentions, you know, I think it's both in a lot of cases. Yeah. There's definitely some interesting kind of like interviews with harmony corinne from the time or even like looking back on what he was trying to do with it Mm. and like definitely like you're saying i don't think it was made with the like express intent of being like i'm calling awareness to this everyone get in here he was definitely more interested in like what he was doing as an artist and this perspective was means to an end in that way where it was like i want to make something that is not a traditional narrative and really does feel almost documentary-esque and Mm -hmm. i think in doing so he exposed a lot of really interesting things as the past hour has has enlightened but like again with kids too like there was kind of a script and an idea and a story structure and it's a film that like made room to let life in where it was allowed and like Mm -hmm. it's certainly more interesting because of that i have the the script he has a book of collected screenplays that's awesome Uh, it's like a gummo julian donkey boy and then jokes which never came out and scanning through it it's remarkable to see what parts didn't make it into the movie and what parts are scripted like kids to a fucking t that's really that funny. you would think like was like ad libbed or whatever. It'd be like, oh no, here it is, written down in the screenplay. Huh. Wow. Can we wrap it up. Yeah. Any any other interesting anecdotes you 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 you've learned and encountered that you want to tease out there for people? Mm... Nope. Nope. Hell yeah. Nope. But I do. <laughs> but just uh, I I I really love the Roy Orbison ending of this film, set to crying. Oh, you know what? No. Because I I think we should talk about the the girl who 
shaves her eyebrows. Yeah, that's a really nice scene, too. Well, I actually disagree. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think that is not handled well. I think, like, it's she is clearly a beautiful person, very innocent, and just, like, having a good time. I don't love that they just, like, stuck a camera behind her and let her, like shave her eyebrows off and like clearly not really it it feels very like "Ah, isn't this funny that she's doing this and it feels like it's made by someone who thinks it's funny she's doing this and i don't get the sense she knew it was a joke Hmm. or even really knew understood the situation and i i do think like in the way it seemed like he did his best earlier in the film with the woman with Down syndrome, it really felt like he was kind of like not exploiting to like she was in danger or anything, but it, it's like exploitational in the sense that like I don't think the um, I don't know her name unfortunately, but like I don't think those scenes were made with the noblest intentions, which I think is unfortunate because she does seem like an incredibly sweet person that did not deserve to be like. To have a 40-second scene in this film that's, like, meant to be like, oh, isn't it funny she's shaving her eyebrows off? You know? Mm. I think that's really unfortunate. Yeah, that's one of those vignettes that's, like, in there at the end to mm-hmm. be more, I don't mean emotional, like, mm-hmm. pulling at your string. But it, it is kind of just a scene that's like, and how does this make you feel, right? Like, yeah. Because this is what's happening. Yeah, I don't really like that moment. Hmm. But I do like this movie. There's there look there are definitely parts of this movie that I don't uh, that I that I scrubbed through on Vimeo here this afternoon where I was just like don't really need to be uh, looking at that but like I think the 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 point we've been trying to make is it is kind of like a, th- this is a phrase that's been co opted and and isn't used well anymore but it is like a product of its time and you've yeah. got to think about like where the world was and when it was coming out. It's uh it's impossible to do recommendations for this one. Yeah, I think Julian so, Donkey Boy is yeah. a great extension of everything that's happening here. Like a different I think there's more of a like kind of scripted narrative A to B plot. Like and it's still Harmony Crew we're talking about, so it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like a fucking novelistic book, but like there's kind of character arcs and like plot points that happen in that one. Um it's also like uh a dogma 95 movie and so yeah. it feels like skinnamarink at sometimes where there is just like static and it looks like yeah. shit there's voiceover and all of that but definitely worth a watch if you can track it down i um i would recommend the youtube video i brought up earlier where there's the panel at the comic convention and they all talk about how this movie is made because uh it's baffling at times um the things they did to get this thing made but yeah aj we forgot to give recommendations for kids. Oh, that's right. I had a couple. So if if we may. The first one I got. I got three. I could probably think of more, but for the sake of brevity. First one, easy one. Mid-90s. It's not as good, but it's a fun spiritual successor. I know Jonah Hill uh, kind of stepped in some shit <laughs> and uh, is looking real bad out there for being uh, a bad dude. But... Mid-90s is his kind of, like, uh, homage to kids in some ways. And it's like, hey, what if you liked all the characters and kids and they were actually kind of good people that made bad decisions? And that's an interesting thought experiment. 
It's like, what if I watched a movie about skaters who weren't the worst human beings on Earth? <laughs> it's a fun movie. Wouldn't that be fun? And Harmony has a Harmony has a um, a cameo in it. The kid. What's it called? Played... Is it Support the Girls or whatever? Was a movie that came out about skaters that you like? Is that what that movie was called? Support and then there's the Girls. Yeah, that's a pretty fun movie. I've never heard of that. Maybe is that's that... not the skater ones. What am I thinking of? You think oh, of Skate shit. Kitchen? Skate Kitchen. That's I one. haven't seen that either. That one's fun too. Um, what are your recommendations? Um, so one is definitely a film by Stephen Cohn called Princess Sid, which is again about like kind of teenage sexual awakening. Mm. Um, I just think it's a really fun kind of like nice movie as opposed to we've been talking about with the last two movies like uh bad vibes movies the the kind of like just theme of yeah what it's a movie that really captures what it feels like to be young super well i think and and dealing with those things for the first time um and then another one of my favorite movies from the past couple of years which isn't really it's also set in new york so i think that's probably why i thought of it but it's just like um uh a young kid being like totally lost in the super pretentious art world and kind of mm-hmm. blurring the um barriers between like a an adult they're not a filmmaker in this i think they're like a playwright um but like latching on to a, a young performer and maybe exploiting them uh, it's called madeline's madeline by josephine decker i think it's streaming oh, okay. on criterion right now yeah very creative kind of twisted movie i dig this thing a lot um and I was thinking about it when we were talking about kids because it is very thematically like a dramatization of what some of the stuff we were talking about that happened with, with kids. Yeah. Um, my other recommendations. North Hollywood. Do you see this thing? No. It's directed by Mikey Alfred, who was a part of like the Illegal Civ skate team. I think he was one of the Ooh. filmographers for that. Um, and it, it's a similar thing. It stars a bunch of the skaters from the illegal civ team or at least formerly i don't think any of them are associated with the team anymore for their own reasons um has vince vaughn in it just huh. kill in it miranda cosgrove's also in it they're like kind of the bigger names in it this is just really good coming of age movie uh set in as you might imagine north hollywood thing thing really shocked me i was like stoked for it because back in the day i was a pretty big illegal civ fan but I did not have high expectations for them to make a movie, but I was still stoked nonetheless. Hmm. Uh, this thing came out. I thought it was really smartly written, uh, really impressively shot. Like, actually, like, there's a few moments where the camera, like, what they do with the camera is, like, really fucking clever. Um, this thing kicks ass. Really recommend North Hollywood. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's streaming on fucking everything. Um, I got two more. Fire away. This is a gummo recommendation, actually. The fil- okay. the 2012 horror film Excision. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> I, uh, just let's not even say anything about it. Go into a blind. Uh, this would also be a good recommendation after Raw, I think. I feel but like ex- Inside as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the director, I believe, is like one of his favorite movies is Gummo. So there's probably some lineage there. Excision's fucking nuts. And then finally, Kids Recommendation, baby. You can find this on YouTube in like 360p. And that might be the only place you're watching if you don't live in Japan. Love and Pop by Hideaki Anno. Um, oh. It's, I 
think it's his first live action thing if you don't include some of the live action stuff he did for evangelion i wouldn't Um, include that (laughs) yeah i'm just saying i'm just saying um it is it tells it follows one it it loosely tells the story of a, a friend group of like teenage girls kind of like on the cusp of graduating high school um but follows one more closely really good coming of age story about just like kind of what kids are interested in uh naively you know and the issues maybe kids get involved in and uh situations that they shouldn't be and etc etc um really good stuff it's on youtube you can watch it for free the quality's not great but subtitled it's fine but the thing that is fucking nuts about this movie i have no clue why they did it this way but it's filmed all on like just a handheld digital camcorder. Hell yeah. And because Anno is such a fucking freak, such a pervert, non-sexual, well, both, uh, but like yeah. he's such a camera pervert, the ways he gets this camera to move throughout this film, and imagine it's probably like a $200 camera he's filming this whole movie with. He's, the dude is out of his mind. Just some of the clever ways he uses this goddamn camera throughout. Like, uh, he wants to he wants a panning shot of a room at one point, or like uh, to go around a room. So he puts it on a model train and just has it film around the room. At one point, I don't know why he thought this camera needed motion, but two characters are at a um a train stop with like the arm that comes down, and the camera is just attached to it. So as the arm of the train That's raises cool. to let people walk, the uh, entire scene goes vertical. It's so sick. This it's man was such doing a... man was doing Tears of the Kingdom fusing, uh, dude. When he was making this movie, it's <laughs> such a sick movie. More people gotta watch this. Ano is out of his damn mind. It's also got the the uncle of the show, uh, Tadanobu Asano, in it. Playing, yes, sir. Playing a. Uh, a scary role (laughs) there is a turn in this movie where asano is he could not get off my screen quick enough i was terrified of him Uh, have you seen um have you seen minding the gap yes that's been on my list that feels relevant to these that's a documentary yeah 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 that goes to some dark places uh minding the gap is really good i was really happy to see it get a criterion release yeah Uh, i feel like it came out like very close to mid 90s and they were two mm-hmm. movies that were like i have not seen i've not seen it yet but it's been on my list for forever but it was like they kind of deal with some similar yeah. stuff yeah all right Mind hell of, yeah minding the gap super good uh has that director done anything afterwards minding the gap who directed that bing Lu. bing Lu. uh yeah he's done a few movies all these sons dilemma of desire i guess are the two he did after that so shouts out friend of the show come on the show being Lou. come on let's, dude let's let's chat about uh get out of the criterion closet oh this is crazy he his his like next thing revealed on the a24 podcast beep, 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 breaking news rival show as of uh 2021 okay <laughs> uh he revealed he was going to be adapting ocean wong's on earth were briefly gorgeous That's right i knew this that rules that's mm. a good book brother holy shit i was just talking about that book with someone i've read that book it's a great book ah it's so good so good what if it's right. like i'm i'm doing the exorcist remake part two what's that fucking thing called uh, uh, dark destiny or whatever the exorcist too fast too furious i don't know it's it by, has 
it has one of the worst titles. Hold on. And then and then we'll be done. Uh but it's like one of the fucking The Exorcist colon Believer. Directed by David Gordon, Gordon Green. Green. Enemy in, of the show. An enemy of art. Well oh, hold on. You say that, but it's crazy how uh also Halloween ends rocked. But he's 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 making the fantastic uh, righteous gemstones right now on television which is a, yeah, well, a beautiful program he should stay he, on tv and yeah, not he, remake <laughs> beloved horror movies he aj there's only one movie in my entire life i've ever considered walking out of the theater and it was by david gordon green was it, it the halloween remake yeah it was the 2018 halloween and i would have walked out if i hadn't been the people i went with i was their ride so i couldn't uh, leave i couldn't leave uh he's a dog shit movie maker as far that as that one's concerned. okay but halloween kills was the worst movie i'd seen in a while uh well it's like that and the whale are the two <laughs> worst yeah. movies i've seen in a very long time that said uh, that exorcist comes out this year we are going to oh potentially depending on our the, yeah maybe we'll go, go see it together go we'll... see it together and record a live reaction uh i don't know <laughs> trying not to drive our car off the road or something yeah dude oh my god unbelievable let just let those old people live in peace yeah. why are they getting them back you know they got i don't i can't think of her name they got the the mom from the exorcist which like respectfully she must be Ellen oh yeah, El- Ellen Burstyn. Respectfully, what is she? She must be like, she's ninety years old. <laughs> you can't be in an exorcist. You can't watch an exorcist movie at ninety years old, let alone be in one. You can like, give yourself a heart attack and die. Like, ma'am, just go live your life, retire. You don't got to be in this dog shit movie. You're gonna piss all over the. Uh, it's, it's not gonna ruin The Exorcist. Are we gonna see Saw X for the show? Socks. I haven't. I've only seen Saw one, two, and three. Okay. Oh well, maybe we'll do Saw one and two. Those are. I love those movies. Saw. Oh, dude, it's the only good things James Wan ever made. Well, that's not true. I'll say it again. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> We're gonna be back next week for Demon Lover, Hardly Knower. Where do we watch that? Criterion. Criterion. Okay. Sick. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>